You could be anywhere doing anything, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. So with that being said, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you guys for listening. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Game Plan. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, that's Alex Goodwin TSM. T as in Tuscaloosa, S as in Sam, M as in Milwaukee. Kennedy Miller, my man, how you feeling, dog? Pretty good. How are you? I'm making it, man. It's, it's good to be here yet again with you, man. Where can they find you on Twitter? Underscore Kennedy Miller underscore underscore Kennedy as in former president John F. and the former wrestler Mr. Kennedy Kennedy. Kennedy. Miller underscore. All right. All right. NBA playoffs are into their second full week. Right. Like we said, Kennedy Miller, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, it certainly is. The series, I think we've all have stayed up late to watch. Some of us have been late to work, woke up grouchy, but we just had to see this. It has been the Portland Trail Blazers and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Right? Right. And the whole thing coming in was Russ versus Dame. And Russell Westbrook told Dame, I think it was January, I've been busting your ass for years. I didn't quite agree with that, but Dame, but Russ had gotten the better of Dame on a number of occasions. Yeah, both teams. True. Now, I don't quite agree with all the ass busting, but, you know, that is what it is. And, oh, boy, Dame Lillard has been salty ever since then. Remember that uh, – Breakfast Club interview the Birdman did when Birdman walked in there with his arms crossed, being quite cantankerous. Right. That's been Damon Lillard that whole series. Damon, like, oh, really? Mm, all right. All right, then. I mean, but it, it, it's funny because he was just. Dame was just going about his business. And he was clearly outplaying Russell Westbrook. But every time. Every time Russell Westbrook scored, he felt the need to showboat and pretend to rock the baby and uh you know yell all this stuff and and that's fine but you're not backing it up and you every time you you shoot a shot you act like you just scored the game winning bucket of game seven like like let's have some perspective here like scoring a bucket putting you up five in the second quarter is not you just got to keep on playing and dame was like I mean, he's just doing that. I don't really care about it. Like, I'm trying to get to the next round. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to win. I think like that's the most. Uh, sometimes a Russ Russ ends up being the most hyper intense guy I probably ever watched. Like, like you, that's what he does anyway. You're taking one on one battles in situations where you're not winning. Like, I think with him, like, I've always seen Russ as a guy who's just extremely hyper. Like, he's hyper competitive, ultra. Like, I've seen him do that in a regular season game. Like top of November, like right. and, and he's wired already. You're like, bro, like sit down, calm. Like so that part of it, I'm really, really worried about. But they, Dame Lily, got them up out of the paint last night. Right, thought about a forty footer, hand in his face from playoff P, drained it. Then he waved bye bye bye, and so that sends Oklahoma City Thunder home packing. Right, and which leads us to, to to the hard questions of what happens now to Oklahoma City, right? And 
You know, I think Twitter in some ways is dancing on the Oklahoma City Thunder's grave. I think mainly because of, as they should have been, as I was, Alex. There, first is, of all, is this about Paul George? It's about both of them. Oh, and you know why? But I'll go into explanation. First of all, when Paul George was in Indiana, he came out said I wanted to be in L.A. You know, I mean, he didn't publicly come out, but reports from might his as camp, well have right reports from his camp. I want to be in L.A. I grew up in L.A. Kobe Bryant was my favorite player growing up. So around the time of his extension, he tells him, hey, after this year, I ain't going to be here. Y'all might as well trade me, get something back. We thought the Thunder had stolen Paul George from the trade that they initially got with Victor Oladipo. And DeMontis and, Sabonis. Right. And that turned out to be a steal for Indiana. And so Paul George plays that year in Oklahoma City, and we're kind of thinking, you know, it's just going to be a rental. They got Carmelo Anthony, you know. And the way that they went out against Utah, because they should have beat Utah too. Utah, I thought, was a better overall team, played better basketball together. So I predicted them to win, but the betting favorite was Oklahoma City. They lost in six games. Part of that due to playoff P's not showing up. Part of that due to Paul George not playing well. Part of that due to Russell Westbrook not playing well. A little bit of both. Everybody's assuming Paul George is going to go. At least he's going to take a meeting with the Lakers. He didn't even get to do that. They threw him a little country house party down there in Oklahoma City, probably by some lakes or something because he likes to fish. And he didn't even meet with L.A. and said, I'm staying in Oklahoma City. So then the LeBron criticism starts coming because LeBron was already in L.A. Oh, well, Paul George wants to play with Russell Westbrook because he's a better teammate than LeBron James. It's a better situation. Well, you know what? I was talking to Alex Goodwin about two weeks ago. And I said, you said, you said it on the podcast. I last said it week. on the podcast. Maybe Paul George, may I play, maybe Playoff P was a goddamn fool. Maybe that's what he was. And it's looking truer and truer to this day. I'm going to say two things about that, right? Maybe, you know, while we're trying to psychoanalyze Paul George, maybe Paul George looked at the LA Lakers like, yo, there's a dumpster fire over here. You right? You didn't even take a meeting, though? You're you right. You, look, I, I think there's something to that, but I think that should show people how much, like, just front office-wise, st- as a staff, record label, and as a crew, how well Oklahoma City th- how well Oklahoma City is run. Because he decided to spend the best years of his life as a millionaire in Oklahoma City. Come on, man. Like, come on, man. Like, wow. Look, that should show you, one, how confident he is in, one, in, in, in I would say, in the under front office they can figure something out number one two this is more of an indictment i believe on the los angeles lakers and what like what they are as as a front office and as a staff and as we've seen magic johnson didn't quit his job so he can tweet and the whole nine yards my thing with the thunder is right as we go into this now right next year some gotta give something has got to change here and my question be this and I always say this: Russell Westbrook is locked up on a supermax extension. Paul I could George, argue that's a top ten worst contract in the NBA. It may end up being if, like, if this is if this is the beginning of Russell Westbrook's decline because his game is so predicated on athleticism. He's already had three knee surgeries. Three, but the thing about the knee surgeries, we haven't seen like much any physical right. like right. manifestations of that. But you. What what I'm saying is you can't expect the best days of Russell Westbrook are still to come. 
You're right. Like he, people, he's close to thirty. People have this. People have this talk like, oh, well, Russ hasn't just figured it out yet. He hasn't figured out how to win. He's thirty years old. He's been in the league a decade. How long are we gonna take for him to figure it out? When he's on ESPN next to Paul Pierce and Chauncey Billups, he's not gonna figure it out. It, it, he need he needs a coach. A coach is going to. He's thirty years old. If he said in two thousand twelve when they had just got off the finals and the best point guard of all time criticized him for his play, and he said back then, "I'm not going to change for anybody," then we give him an MVP. Then he goes three straight years averaging a triple double. You think he's going to change now? So the thing is about the changing thing, he has dialed it back since Paul George got there. He's dialed it he back. Dialed one, it back because he's had to. Because I think, honestly, the biggest thing for me with Russ has always been, yo, if he ain't got nobody worth passing the ball to, he ain't going to pass the ball to. He ain't going to pass the ball to him. When Oladipo wasn't all the way there yet, when ain't nobody passing the ball to Robeson. Excuse me. Ain't, Robeson ain't worth passing the ball to. Right. And everything else, it's like, all right, I can see why he wouldn't pass the ball. But Paul George is the best player on that team, and he was the best player on that team. And Russell Westbrook really, like, their usage rate, Russell Westbrook's usage rate, has really dialed back points, dialed back. Again, some of the points thing might be due to the fact that his jump, like his shooting has really tanked. But when I look at this Oklahoma City roster, really, what can you do here with this group? Like I said, you got Russ making $38 million next year. Uh, Roberson's still under contract. Roberson's in a contract year next year, right? And he didn't play at all this year. So we don't know what he looks like. Uh, Terry Ferguson's still on a rookie contract. Uh... Jeremy Grant making nine million. Good oh God Almighty, Patrick Patrick's still on that roster. Jesus. Uh and you got Steven Adams making $24 million, right? This roster in a lot of ways is kind of maxed out. And right. the only change you can really make realistically because fire the coach. Fire the coach. And you should fire the coach. Because I'm sorry. That first year Westbrook, like Sands Durant, Sands Ibaka. And it's him, Roberson, Stephen Adams, and 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 what's my guy's name? In his canter. In his canter. And that team, Russwick dragged that team to 47 wins. Last year, with uh Paul George and Carmelo Anthony, they win 48 games. This year. 49. They win 49 games. I'm like, yo, as a coach, when you how when you get more talent, there's not a noticeable uptick. In, in your wins here, right? Who's in my, your who's my best player? Playoff Who P. My my best player. Playoff P been your best player. Yeah, this year he was my best player. But my franchise is built around Russell Westbrook, and he's not getting it done. Did he dial it back this year? Sure, but we saw in the playoffs in another series where the Thunder were the betting odds to win this series. Because Portland, although they had the better record and were the higher seed, they lost their third best player. True. They, I mean, nobody, nobody thought, okay, two undersized guards that we saw got swept last year by bigger guards in Drew Holland and Rondo now have to play against Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And Nurkic isn't down there, so Ennis Cantor has a bang down there with Steven Adams. Like, how, how, does that, how, does that even, how does that even work? And the thing is, Russ hasn't figured out when to dial it back and when to be aggressive. Has he dialed it back some? Sure. But you cannot score one point in the second half of a game at home. You can't. 
to go down 3-1. You can't do it. On the other side, last night, you're up 15 points with eight minutes left. You're up eight points with three minutes left, and you lose it? You And Russ had played a good game. If they had a one last night, I would have came in and said, Russell Westbrook played a heck of a game, him and Paul George. But horrible time clock management. Russell Westbrook went too fast on too many possessions when they needed to be slowing the clock down or wasting the clock, rather, so that Portland wouldn't have as have many time. possessions. Right. Like the, the, the last possession that the Thunder had offensively, Russ just drove to the rim and just kind of like threw it up. And it gave Damian Lillard plenty of time to figure out what he wanted to do. And he knew how he wanted to game him. Like, I, I don't... For me, like I always say, right? Given, I always say this, how much better, like realistically, could the Thunder get at point guard, right? And by realistically, could they get not... Is there a better player out there? Can you realistically be able to acquire better point guard than Paul George? The answer to that question is no. How much better? Excuse me. The, how much better can you get than Paul George at 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 wing? Right. Like whoever you can acquire. Only person I think of that's a better wing player at this point is Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. Kevin Durant. Oh, excuse me, Kevin Durant. Three. Yeah. Right. I got you. You're not gonna get much better than those two guys. You're not gonna get much better than uh, Stephen Adams at at the center spot. Right, Ro- a fully healthy Roberson is a top five or six wing defender in the NBA. Right. Like I want people to remember this about Andre Roberson. Roberson is useless once he crosses half court and the Thunder are on, are on offense, but they have to leave him out on the court because he is that good defensively. That's how good Roberson is. But is he a good fit in Oklahoma City? Because that's 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 really that's really where you like, go if, next. Now is, is yeah. you gotta. Like, as much as I bash on Russell Westbrook, would I think he would have more success if he was playing in a Mike D'Antoni system surrounded by shooters? Of course. Yeah. Because, I mean, the lane would be wide open. Like, we say he didn't play with anybody, which is fair to say in 2016. Yeah. Because he didn't play with anybody on offense. But the team was constructed to be, we're going to let Russ do whatever he wants to do on offense, but defensively, we're going to be elite. Like, you had Russ. You had Oladipo, who was already a really good defender. You had Roberson, who was a good defender. Steven Adams. Steven Adams. And then you had another guy in Ennis Cantor who was a big and would crash boards. He wasn't really that great of a defender, but kind of a low post guy, could finish around the post and would cause extra rebounds. So we're going to be really defensive and we're going to be really big. And so we're going to try and buck the trend of other teams going small and just being finesse. And we're going to be really physical. And they kind of upgraded that next year when they got Paul George because it's like, well, we we just got more skilled offensively, but we, we're still really good defensively. And so that was my theory on why I thought they were going to be really good this year because they would still buck the trend and, and be big and physical. And we thought they would have Roberson. And we did think, think they would have Roberson. But it's just to lose in the playoffs three straight rounds. And I think his record is 4-12 and 12 in the playoffs since Kevin Durant is gone. Yeah. And the dude is shooting like, I want to say he, he shot like 120 shots and made 121 points in this series. Like, it, it's just not. E- it's, it's, it's inefficient. It's inefficient basketball. And 
It's just the way that he went out, like with Dame closing it in the fashion that he did and Russ doing all the talking throughout the series. The numbers showed last night, Russell Westbrook guarded Damian Lillard 20 possessions. Yeah, 21 points off. 21 points off of it. I'm cooking you. You the baby. I'm rocking you to sleep. That I mean, that's that's the bottom line. It, you know, some people say like Russell Westbrook isn't going to be defined as a winner or loser. It's kind of like the Allen Iverson thing. He's just going to be culturally remembered for things that he did, averaging triple double. Kind of like AI. We don't look at AI like icon. right. We don't look at AI like well, he didn't win none. We look at him like hey, this dude I mean, introduced I mean, hip hop uh, to the. I'll say this: Iverson, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook at this point get evaluated by what they don't do, right? And when we evaluate people based off of what they don't do, we'll never ever appreciate them. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? No, if, but I think AI is in like a separate category. Like, I'm never gonna sit here and say AI is a top three or four player at his position, but AI is always gonna get the respect from his peers. Kind of like we look at Vic, Michael right, Vic, because because okay. of what he brought to the game. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like. You kind of knew, like, it's tough. It's tough for a point guard because as much as we want to praise Damian Lillard right now, he ain't going to win a championship. Like, I mean, I don't know. Not according to Charles Barkley. I don't know if Damian Lillard, right, I don't know if Damian Lillard will ever be the best player on a championship team because it's tough for point guards to be the best players on championship teams. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it's tough because they're smaller guys. You can put a bigger guy on them, kind of neutralize them. The only point guards that we've seen win championships that were the best players, Magic, Steph, maybe Chauncey Billups. I would argue uh, in 07, Tony Parker. Tony Parker, that, that could be an argument. Tony as well. Parker in 07, and had, had that bastard Ray Allen not made that three-pointer, he was the best player on that team in 2013 for the Spurs, too. Uh, I'm just looking at it with Russ. Like, you know, I think you have to fire the coach. You have to fire the coach because you've not got – you haven't you, – they haven't gotten precipitously better with more talent around him, number one. And number two, roster construction-wise, they're going to have to find a way to put more shooters around. But that's not on the coast, though, roster construction. No, but I'm saying just in general. Right. No, I got you. As far as as when they construct this roster this year, they've got to find more shooting. Because if Russ – and the idea that Russ West was going to find a jump shot all of a sudden is just kind of – I don't don't see it happening. So if he's not going to be able to shoot, you're going to have to surround him with people who can. So that's the thought. That's what they're going to have to end up doing. But the first thing's gonna be first. You can't get like there people saying they ought to trade Russell Westbrook. Trade him to who? Like the time to trade Russell Westbrook was when Kevin Durant left. That was the time to trade him. His value had never been higher. He was still relatively young and in his prime. Right? I agree. The time to trade him to sell high on Russ was July of 2016. Three years later, closer to 30. A lot of wear and tear on those legs. Yeah. Like, nobody's going to give you the house, the cars, the kids, and the dog for a point guard that's over 30 who looks like he might, like, the tread is may, may start to be come off, coming off the tires. No I one's going to do it. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think with firing the coach, it's just, it. you usually see, and we kind of talked about it off air before, you know, the first coach doesn't get it done. And the second one does, you know, like Tony Dungy and John Gruden, Mark Jackson, Steve Kerr. And so it will be interesting because this won't be the the second coach that's supposed to turn it because Billy Donovan was the second coach. This will be the third one. 
So it'll be interesting to see if they do fire him. What what route do you go, dude? Who who is Russell Westbrook going to listen to? I don't think you can go back to college and get another college coach. Like who do you who do you go after that you think will corral Russell Westbrook in and say you got to play like this? Uh, Mark Jackson, Monty Williams, Monty Williams, Monty like we got you got to excuse me you got to have an I think you need an experienced coach. I think, but you know where like a solid NBA. Coach that's been respected, Monty Williams. Monty Williams is a guy I think of, like off the rip, right? He was an assistant in Oklahoma City. Already been there, right? No, look, has good has a relationship with Russell Westbrook in, in the whole nine yards. Look, that's one guy I can think of already. Past that, I'm not too sure. Right. But you got look. But you got to do something. Like I mean, the the problem that I that I get to, and you know, people are. Saying, like, well, we didn't give Dame, you know, we didn't give Dame this much flack, you know, when they got swept last year. We didn't. We don't hold them to – we don't hold them to the same standard. They're not in the same situation. Dame has never been a guy that we said, like, has done something that hasn't been done for 50 years. It's rough. We don't think Dame Lillard is a Hall of Fame talent. We don't. Like, now we're starting to appreciate I, him more. I think Dame is a great scorer. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Like, well, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't done enough, but – Russell Westbrook is has, a Hall of Famer. Is a Hall of Famer and has been on teams that can compete for championships. If you substitute Russell Westbrook out and put another top three point guard on that team next to Paul George, with the way that they play defense, they're a championship team. Hell, they should have got to the conference finals this year. Like this was the easiest road they could have had. They didn't have to play Houston. They didn't have to play Golden State. San Antonio's not what they used to be. San Antonio's not what they used to be. They literally, on their side of the bracket, had a... Had the, oh, the, we're the best team, in my opinion. Easily should have been in the conference finals. And you lose nine, seven games. You lose in five? And what'd you do in the one game you won? Oh, Dennis Schroeder's out there. Oh, it's Dame. You know, he's pointing at his wrist. Paul George dunking at the end of the game. That ain't you. That ain't how you do things. Play out P, and then they ask him about it after the game. He pulls a Russell Westbrook. Next question. You know what? I see why you weren't built for L.A. You ain't that guy. You ain't the guy we thought you were. So, so that's what this is about. You it, it always goes back to that. You ain't that guy we thought you were in Indiana. You had some big shots. Sure, you made a couple of highlights, but you ain't that guy. You just want to follow and be in the shadow. You want to be in Russell West. You, you don't want to get the blame. I told because you that. Because if you play with LeBron, like like you said, if you play with Russ, you get he's going to shadow you from criticism. If you play with LeBron and y'all lose, you're going to get it. Because he ain't going to get the criticism. That's true. We got to leave it right there before you get a little too riled up about he Paul George. He ain't built that way. I think that man of Toronto is, though. Kawhi? I think he built to play with next, next to LeBron. Oh, Lord. You see what old Kendrick Perkins said? He reminded me of Mike. When Kawhi don't sign the Lakers, too, you're going to be upset again. Don't get your hopes up too much, Kennedy. We got to come right back. When we come back, we're going to discuss the NFL draft. Who lands where? Does Dwayne Haskins end up in New York? Kyler Murray, what happens with that? We're going to discuss it on the other side of the break. Don't go too far.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the game plan. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Alex Goodwin TSM. T as in Tyler, S as in Stafford, M as in Madisonville. I gotta find another M in a second. Right. Kennedy, where can they find you, dog? Underscore Kennedy Miller, underscore, underscore Kennedy, as in the former president, John F. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy Kennedy. Miller, underscore. All right, all right. Switching gears to the NFL draft. The NFL draft is tomorrow. We are recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, Kennedy, I've had a question, man. And I just thought about this because why don't we care about the draft this year? Like, I've really just seriously thought about it, that there's not been that much anticipation towards the draft this year because most years we just at the Super Bowl with the NFL, it's the draft, the draft, the draft, the draft, the draft. We have like a week where we care about free agency, but other than that, folks are watching these dudes running their draws at the combine. They worry about the pro days. They're reading all the mock drafts. And this year I'm like, all right, when's it going to be over with? Like, do you feel the same way? Or maybe I'm tripping. I think it's this year. I think it's been. Um, it, it's because it's a lot of linemen that are going. It's not a lot of skilled positions that that people are talking about early on, which is why it's kind of fell below the radar. They're kind of like searching for storylines besides Kyler Murray, um, because I mean, if you look at you know any of the mock drafts, it's only like two or three quarterbacks going in the entire first round. Whereas last year, you had like. Darnold, Rosen, Mayfield. Josh Allen, Mayfield, you know, like all these guys. And then you have like guys like Saquon, you know, coming out. So um, this year it, it, it's really more about in the trenches. And so that's why this draft is kind of falling under radar. But I'm still kind of excited. And and my Dallas Cowboys don't have a first-round pick. So uh, you need to watch tomorrow night then. Right. So I, I – that's another reason because America's team don't even got a first-round pick, so we're not interested. So, y'all need a lineman, by the way. We need three or four linemen. <laughs> y'all need about three or four of them. Jesus Christ. I don't know. Ooh. Ooh. But like you said, right. most of the mock drafts have Nick Bosa going top five. Quinnen Williams, Ed Oliver, Jeff right. Simmons. Uh, they're heavy Heavy on offensive linemen as well. Like I think there might be one skill position player, maybe two, taken in the top fifteen. I think that's going to be Kyler Murray. Like guaranteed, Dwayne Haskins may drop. Right. Uh, receiver. We've heard some 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 people have rumblings about Hollywood Brown out of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but you know, receiver isn't as valued as it once was. There are no running backs who I think. Outside of Josh Jacobs, right? they're going to get taken in the first round. But we want to focus here on the quarterbacks. And you saw something, Kennedy Miller, today that I thought just blew me away. And you have to – you saw Daniel Jones from right. Duke get mocked at number six? Right. So it was it, – it's been reported and predicted for a while that Dwayne Haskins would be to the Giants at six. And it's kind of coming out that the Giants – aren't really looking at Dwayne Haskins anymore, and they think they found their guy, uh, Daniel Jones. Initially, uh, what I was hearing, like, uh, yesterday was that the Giants would take – go defense at number six and take 
they're a quarterback at 17, at number 17, which I don't think makes sense because if that's your guy, then you can take him early yeah. and in. You know what I mean? Like, you might be thinking nobody finds, nobody finds their quarterback at 17. You know what I mean? Like, if you're that confident in him, you would take him in the top 10. And so, apparently, they've listened to that advice and want to take Daniel Jones, number six. And my thing is this. I think I understand it. They love Eli Manning so much. Daniel Jones comes from where? Duke. Duke. Who's the head coach at Duke? David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe. Who is David Cutcliffe most notoriously known for working with? The Manning. Manning brothers. So we've got a guy that we know that has come from a system um, where the Mannings have both worked out with that said head coach. And so I don't know if that's the key. I don't know if the Giants really know what they're doing. Um, I'm just going to be interested to see how much better the NFC East is going to be for us because I feel like they're about to make a catastrophic decision. I'd agree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to understand what the Giants are doing because the Giants have needed a quarterback for the last two drafts. Right. And there were rumors early that they might pass on a quarterback entirely. Exactly. And you're going to keep running old, busted Eli Manning out there. Like, this is really a result of the fact they benched Eli for Geno Smith that week and folks were upset. And now they just going to keep running Eli out there even though now he is utterly and completely booty cheeks. Right. The stats wouldn't, if you're just looking at the numbers, he wouldn't say, oh, no, he's, he's, he's not booty cheeks. If you actually watch Eli Manning play, which eyes, you can look at him and tell. He is C-H-E-E-K-S. What's that spell, Kennedy Miller? Cheeks. Cheeks is what Eli Manning is. Cheeks, I tell you. Cheeks. You're going to keep running him out there. Like, last year they made the play of thinking we're going to draft Saquon. We think we can still win now. They put Saquon with Odell, and they think with enough, we still got enough on that defense with Damon Snacks Harrison, Olivier Vernon, Landon Collins. We've got enough back there. They think they can win. Nah, bro. You're bad. And mainly because of your quarterback. Like, if we looked at Eli Manning's numbers with and without Odell Beckham, they were staggering. Odell Beckham ex has extended Eli Manning's career by at least three or four seasons. Right, where he's right. tricked us into thinking he's halfway worth a damn. Right. Now, with no Odell Beckham, and they're going to run out there with Golden Tate, who I thought has always been a better number two than right. anything, and Sterling Shepard, and a doggone superstar in Saquon Barkley. But Saquon's probably going to lead that team in rushing and receiving. And they're going to run him into the ground. Like, this is not the move to make. Like, there aren't too many times you're going to get, and this isn't a quarterback-rich draft, I understand it, but you right. got to take somebody. I think Eli Manning would be a good bridge for Dwayne Haskins. I think Dwayne Haskins is, in my opinion, probably the best quarterback in this draft. Right. Again, a small, well, thing only 13, 14 starts, right? But this guy, in my opinion, has the build of Dante Culpepper. Big guy, strong guy, big arm. Only the sixth quarterback, and I want to say FBS history to throw 50, 50 or more touchdown passes. Like, he can sling it. And if you saw him on um, NFL Live and uh, all those other ESPN shows, he can talk you through some football. He knows what he's doing. I'd still sit him a year, so that's why Eli Manning is still good to have there. But if you don't take a quarterback, when will you? Like, when? Yeah. Last year was the year to take a quarterback because you had Donald, who I thought was really good. Rosen, who I was probably the most sure about 
Right. Uh, I was like Rosen, Darnold. I wasn't gonna take Josh Allen at number two. Mayfield, like there were guys to be had this year in a class that's noticeably weaker. Like if you don't take a quarterback with a loaded class, and you don't take a quarterback in a noticeably weaker class, when the hell you take a quarterback then? Well, now it's still you can still trade for one of those quarterbacks in the stack class now because Josh Rosen will be available. That's a fair point. As a as a Giants organization, would you be willing to trade for Josh Rosen? Yes. Yes, I would. Um, Maybe try and trade. Obviously, you probably have to give up that number six pick. And then you hopefully – I don't think you have to give up the six. You think they would take the 17? I know they want a first-round pick. Uh, for Rosen? Right. I'd give him a two and a three. I give you two and three. I think that's what has been the offers. A two, three, and like a six or something like that. I think that's what's been the offers around like second or third round, and that's kind of like why. Those are still really good picks. Right. Those are really good picks, and I think that's why Arizona's kind of like, oh, well, we may not take Kyler Murray. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're just trying to say. They're trying to bluff. Right. They're trying to to bluff on you. And so they really want that first-round pick. And if I'm the Giants, I'm going to do whatever it takes to try and trade for Josh Rosen because I know that. The other team in my division that needs a quarterback, the Redskins, are going to try and trade for Josh Rosen as well. Yeah. And so, if I can get Josh Rosen, keep a first-round pick, maybe draft, if if it's that pick in the teens, maybe like one of those receivers that you referred to, then I have a Rosen, Barkley, young receiver. A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown. Hollywood Brown. Hollywood Brown. Then I have a young receiver. Like, those are three guys, like, I'm okay with. Absol- like, the thing with Rosen becomes, and, you know, the, of course, the – the Cardinals are asking for a first-round pick, and you always should ask for whatever you think you can possibly get for somebody, even if it's outrageous. If you give it up on this dude after one year, after you didn't trade it up to get him, gave up some assets to get Josh Rosen, how confident in his ability should I be? Like, should I should team that should be inquiring about Josh, Josh Rosen, should I just be banking on the fact that Steve Kime, the general manager of the Cardinals, is woefully incompetent at his job? And doesn't really know what he's doing because, in my personal opinion, anytime you trade up as as much as Steve Kime gave up, well, they didn't give up like the mother love for Josh Rosen, but you know, you traded up mm-hmm. to get Josh Rosen, gave up a pick to get Josh Rosen, then a year later, you're gonna put Josh Rosen on the side of the road like he's an old couch. Well, I mean, like, I personally think that is more of an indictment against general manager than it is right. Josh Rosen, but. If on the flip side of that, I do have to ask, all right, if y'all going to give up on this dude after a year, why is that? I mean, it's because they shouldn't have fired their coach in the first place. True. But they fired him and brought in a guy that many think is not ready to be a head coach on the NFL or maybe on the college level. He should be a – and Cliff Kingsbury right. should be a – at best, at this point, definitely Cliff Kingsbury can coach some D2 football. Right. And so if, if Cliff Kingsbury doesn't work out for the Cardinals – Everybody's getting fired. You yeah. know what I mean? So, like, now that we brought in Cliff. Ain't no excuses. Ain't no excuses. And we got to we have to give Cliff every resource that he needs. And Because you already shouldn't be here. You, you already shouldn't be here. So, we're going to help you out in every way possible. And we're going to start that by giving you a quarterback that you want. Could, like, it, it's not a knock on Josh Rosen. He, he still probably is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. But... Who would be the better system fit? And that would be Kyler Murray for Cliff Kingsbury's offense. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing about it, like when I watch the Kingsbury offenses outside of at, I would say, A&M, there has been a mobile guy that's run that offense. Right. Like, I want to say Kingsbury was on the staff with Keenum or whatever. Right. When Keenum was at U of H, not a mobile guy. When they went to uh, when he went to Tech and got the job at Tech, Johnny Manziel really got a bad job at Tech. This Tech is gonna be real about. Uh, I don't even remember who played quarterback there at uh, Texas Tech, but I don't remember him being too mobile. It was Davis Webb. Oh, Pat Mahomes. Then Pat oh. Mahomes. Oh, I mean Mahomes, but we don't think Mahomes is Michael Vick, right? Like Mahomes ain't Kyler Murray type of fast. No, but here's here's the thing, and like this is just like. I heard a, a college football analyst break it down like this. Okay. Josh Rosen plays like a black and white style of quarterback. He wants to know every detail. Why is this going right here? What route is going here? What What is going to happen here if we do this? And that that's perfectly fine. That's a really good way to play quarterback. Kingsbury's offense is more, it's a gray area involved. So it's like, we're going to attack this side of the field because it's like wide open. Like it, it's not all about just the details, but sometimes we just going to go out and play. And that probably won't work for Josh Rosen. And if Josh can find somewhere where it's going to be black and white for him to play and, and focus on the details, he's going to have much success as will Colin Murray. If he's playing with Kingsbury in that offense, I think part of like what you're saying about Josh Rosen, that also comes down to the fact that he's smarter than most. people. Right. Like, People don't like, and I've kind of had to deal with this too, people don't like when younger people are a lot smarter than them, they're asking a bunch of questions. Right. Like that ends up rubbing people the wrong way. And even the person, they're not trying to rub somebody the wrong way. They're just asking general questions. Like Josh Rosen may have problems anywhere he goes. Just this because is true. I think I any mean, offensive coordinator, any head coach might have a problem with this, with this kid questioning what I'm doing and asking why. Why? Right. Why we make that throw here, but there's this over here. Mm-hmm. He, he going to have problems anywhere he goes, by and large. And with a guy like Dave Gettleman, that moron in New York. Right. I don't think Gettleman seems like the type of guy that, like, you know, wants to be out, seem to be outsmarted by anybody. Right? Yeah. And that's why, like, with the Rosen thing, like, if the Giants do not take Dwayne Haskins at six, you got to make a trade for Josh Rosen. You got to do something. Because otherwise, you're going to be stuck with Eli Manning or maybe God. And I hope this is not what they're trying to do. Are they trying to hold out for Justin Herbert? Like, I'm not sure. I, don't, I, I hope not. I'm not one to really speculate that much, but I don't think the Giants are that much of a forward-thinking organization. To think that far ahead. I think they probably thought they might have had Herbert this year. Because Herbert would have been the number one pick in the draft this year. Probably so. What if if Arizona doesn't take Kyler Murray, this draft gets flipped upside down? Oh, man. Because at that point, like, so if Arizona takes like, Nick Bosa at Like one, if they just take Nick Bosa, just take the best player available. And Nick Bosa should be the number one pick in the draft. I would, I would probably speculate that John Gruden is going to trade up. And they're gonna get Kyle Murray. Murray. Yeah. I think. Then again, that's another dude I question if he knows what he's doing either. I think they get. I, it, now I have to see. Like I said before, I have to see what these three draft picks are. But I think they have made some pretty good moves. 
I mean, getting Antonio Brown for a Subway coupon and a bottle of Mad right. Dog 2020 was pretty good. Like, right? I mean, they, like, obviously, they got three first-round picks. Now, what do you do with them? Like, and especially because you traded away a Hall of Famer in Khalil Mack. You got to hit on somebody. You, you have to hit. Right. You, and I mean have to hit on those two you got from those two picks you got from that Khalil Mack pick. So I, I'm like, really. Like, you got to hit on that, man. I'm really interested to see who they will uh, draft or, or what they will do with the draft picks even then. Because, you know, say they trade up and go get Kyler Murray. Now, I, we're going in real hypotheticals. But then, yeah. obviously, Derek Carr is going to be on the trade block because you can't keep both of them. So, it's just it like that's why I'm excited about the draft because this can go a lot of different ways. So, in the end, do you think Kyler Murray is going to be the number one overall pick? I do. Pick? I, I think he's going to be the number one pick. I think, like I said, they're, going, they're trying to give Cliff Kingsbury everything that he needs. And if, um, if they go to him and say – who is your guy? He's going to say Kyler Murray. Nick Bosa is the best player in the draft. Quentin Williams is probably the second best player in the draft. But I think you have to get your quarterback first before you address all other needs. Because, it, it, I mean, it's only like 10, 11 good quarterbacks in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, And it's probably oh, yeah. lower than that that can win you a Super Bowl. And so we've seen teams with – Great teams, but have a bad quarterback, and that's held them back. That Jacksonville Jaguars team should have won a Super Bowl. If they're team. not good this year, and they start losing pieces, we'll go back and look and say Blake Bortles ruined a dynasty. Because when they were all there and all good, we just needed the quarterback to close the deal, and he couldn't do it. I agree right there. Um, we got to leave it right there. We got When we come back, and discuss the second round of the NBA playoffs. The Eastern Conference playoffs, at least in the semis, is set. Right. Toronto and Philly, Milwaukee, Boston. We're going to talk all about it. And who we think is going to go to the conference finals on the other side of the break. Don't go too far. <laughs> Gentlemen, welcome back to the game plan. Alex Goodwin is the name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's Alex Goodwin TSM. T is in toilet, S as in sandwich, M as in money. Kennedy Miller, where can they find you, dog? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore underscore Kennedy as in John F. Kennedy. And the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy. 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 Miller underscore. All right. All right. Uncle Perk from the Stadium Status Podcast is going to be with us next segment on the phone. Again, Uncle Perk from the Stadium Status Podcast will be with us in the next segment. You don't want to miss it. 
But back to the NBA playoffs, Kennedy. Yes, sir. We got we're in the house. We got the TV on right, right. now. Rockets Jazz Game Five on the Western Conference side, but the Eastern Conference side that's already decided. Yes, sir. Bucks. Celtics. Yes, sir. Raptors. 76ers. Kenny, what are your opening thoughts about just both series? Uh, well, my opening thought is I'm excited to see both of these series. I uh, I think this is – I've been ready for the second round since about halfway through the year to see these four teams go at it and to see who comes out on top. All year I predicted Boston to win to go to the finals. I know they've had some chemistry issues and kind of trying to figure out who's on, like, whose team is it? Are we, a, are we, we play, you know, a, a team-friendly style of basketball, or are we behind Kyrie Irving? Like, what do we do? And I think that Indiana in the first round was a good test for them because it was a tough matchup, even without Victor Oladipo, and they swept them. And so, obviously, Milwaukee's been great all year. They have top five offense and defense. Um, and so I, I would, I'm really interested in that series, as I am for Philadelphia and Toronto, because you've got, you know, a Philadelphia team where you've got two, maybe three top 25 players in Simmons, Embiid, and Butler. Butler. And, you know, nobody, we've talked about it, nobody besides the Warriors has a better starting five than those guys. Uh, the bench remains a question. And then Toronto, those guys have a ton of playoff experience with your best player being Kawhi Leonard. Danny Green has playoff experience. Mark Gasol. Then you got Siakam, who, who I had for most improved player. Um, Kyle Lowry. Man, it, it it's going to be really fun to watch these four teams go at it. I'll say this. Like, Mike. My- Overall thought and prediction, I think Toronto gets out of that series with uh, the 76ers. I think this this may go seven. And the home court advantage, I think, eventually wins out there. Right. I think, personally, what Toronto has defensively, I think, is going to be the X factor. Because you've got Lowry's a decent defender, right? But again, they're going to have to – but you got Danny Green. Elite perimeter defender. Kawhi Leonard. Maybe second best defender in the NBA. First, I would probably argue, but I think Paul George is the defensive player of the year this year. Right. Uh, you've got uh, Pascal Siakam. Long, tall, athletic guy. Mark Gasol inside. And He's one defense player of the year. Absolutely. So they've got a lot defensively there. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, like you said, Finals MVP. Danny Green. Two been, finals. Been in the finals twice. Made some big, big shots. Right. Uh, and my big thing, I think, with Philadelphia is Joel Embiid's health. And he's, that knee is still not where it needs to be. He's still playing well, mm-hmm. but he's not in great shape. And secondly, we've seen Joel Embiid get muscled by Al Horford, right? Mark Gasol is that same type of veteran, you know, in the guy. Like, you don't think he's in that elite class anymore, but he's old, older, and wily, and, you know, crafty to where last year, Al Horford was able to guard Embiid and Ben Simmons. 
Right. And it was able to handle both of them. Al is, is a very underrated. Like, he's a great defender. He's very underrated. He's not flashy, but he, he's mobile, and he's really agile. And that that's something that I would say Marcus All doesn't have is the agility that Al has. But I do agree with the vet savviness. And, you know, I mean, he's a he's a seven-footer. Like I said, he's one defense player of the year. He's not in his prime anymore, but he's still got some playoff games that he can give you. Yeah, and with an injured Joel Embiid, we don't need him to be as, you know, fleet of foot as we would as we would normally need him to be. Right. Uh like I say with Philadelphia, you've got who's who I think in the biggest moments of the game, who's gonna be able to have the basketball? Right? You have to put the ball in the hands of Jimmy Butler. Right. Like Jimmy Butler's gonna need the basketball. Or Joel Embiid. <sighs> because I mean, regard like if the guy's healthy You'd give then the it, it might be it might be a different story that might be about the, who I who I would take. I mean, truthfully, like like you said, who who I, who I would decide to try. I ain't gonna try Kawhi Leonard. Like, I I wouldn't try Kawhi Leonard. Just outside of maybe Durant, LeBron James, ain't too many guys I would like pick against Kawhi Leonard. He'd be like, yeah, he gonna be able to take Kawhi, right? Right. Uh. Ben Simmons is going to be a big deal too, man, because we're going to have to see the Ben Simmons of games three through five than we saw from games one and two. Because if he's not aggressive, then he's not – He's a, he, like he, he is what Jared Dudley said. He, he's going to be average in the half court. I mean, I think in like Jared Dudley thing, and I think what uh, Ben Simmons tried to dismiss it, like that's Jared Dudley saying that. Like in appeal to skill – like, you didn't deny anything that Jared Dudley said because Jared Dudley was right. Like, if we're going to be real about it, like, Ben Simmons not only cannot shoot, Ben Simmons will not shoot. Like, Ben Simmons, right. like, is a lot more like Andre Rosen than we think he is, at least offensively, right? Now, now wait a minute now. Don't, as far as not shooting the ball. Uh, yeah, as far as, as, not, far as not shooting, shooting it. The, as far as not shooting the ball, but I mean, like, just like, can't shoot, won't shoot. We passed ball the ropes in the corner. Everybody like this. Like we saw with Chris Paul. Oh hell no! Right? right. Like go look. All right, look. You go ahead and shoot the ball. But I mean, like with especially with with Ben Simmons shooting the ball. He can't shoot. He won't shoot. He has to be on ball to be at his optimum levels. Yeah. With Jimmy Butler, there's another guy who has to be on ball. Well, that I would say that's for this team. Because we saw in game three, Joel Embiid doesn't play. Then, theoretically, you can put Ben Simmons at center, have him play down low and surround him with shooters, and now he's just effectively as, as lethal. Because although, like, everybody wants to point out, and it, I mean, it, it's fair, especially in this league, that he can't shoot. What else can't he do? Because he can basically do everything else that you ask for on the basketball court. He can pass it. He can get others involved. He can play defense. He can rebound. He's six foot ten. He can run the floor. Like he's got every other skill. It's just really important that you need a jump shot. And it's not even that you need a jump shot. Yo, at least try to shoot, right? right. Like we like we got on Russell Westbrook earlier. The fact that Westbrook cannot shoot at this point in his career, right? Westbrook at least tries to keep him honest. Ben Simmons won't even make you guard him you can just go under the pick and roll with ben simmons every single time that's good for me that's gonna be the big big deal like does he like when, when i made when i said the, the point about rover like the roberson thing like that was just more about can't shoot won't shoot right with, like refuses to shoot the basketball 
if Jimmy Butler isn't playing well, Tobias Harris isn't playing well, Joel Embiid, you know, Gimpy, what do we do here? Right? Like, what happens, like, Ben Simmons is going to have to be able to give you something. But Ben Simmons hasn't, if I'm being honest, he hasn't seemed to, his game hasn't seemed to progress any. He seems to be the exact same dude he was last year. And that's going to be a problem. Last year against uh, Boston, it was a problem that he could not and would not shoot the basketball. Right. right? Now, switching gears to the Boston and Milwaukee matchup. Kennedy, who do you have winning that? Boston. I got Boston going to the finals. We did. Oh, I forgot. We did yeah, talk about that. I got, I got Boston going to the finals. Like, like I said, Milwaukee obviously has the best record. They should be the favorites to win it. I just think that I just got a strange feeling about this Celtics team. I think you think they put it all together. I think they're deep. I think they they kind of figure out. Hey, you know, we need this. We need this Kyrie guy. It kind of felt like, <laughs> like, 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 hey, you kind of got a foot out the door. You want to leave. That's fine. We went to game seven of the conference finals without you last year. But now you start seeing playoff mode. Kyrie's hooping, and you're like, okay, well, let's just follow his lead and let's just do our jobs. I mean, for the youngs, for the younger guys, I mean, it is kind of, in some ways, it is kind of hard to follow behind Kyrie Irving at a certain point. Because Kyrie Irving, this is the father he's been ever Without LeBron James, the right. second round of the playoffs, because when he was in Cleveland, all by him, his lonesome, left to his own devices. Right. Oh, them Cleveland teams. Well, I said earlier about Eli Manning. I'm gonna spell it out again: C H E E K S. What's that right. for, Kennedy? Cheeks. Cheeks. Yeah, I mean that. That's 21, 22 year old Kyrie. I mean, but now, but I'm still asking the question. Like last year, they made it to the conference finals without him. Right. Right. And. Kyrie has yet to demonstrate that he can be the best player on the championship team. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean that's fair because like we haven't seen it, we haven't seen it, and I just gotta ask like Tatum last year, Tatum and Brown last year were better with without him. I mean, in the playoffs, yeah, because yeah, they they got more they got more shots, they they had the ball more, and you got to think who are like who are they playing for? They're playing for Brad Stevens, who who is going to to maximize their abilities, especially with Kyrie out, and you still have a, a playmaking. Big in Al Horford, who can help distribute the ball as well. Yeah. Is Marcus Smart going to be back? Uh, I'm not sure, but also Malcolm Brogdon is out, so that kind of they kind of cancels yeah, it out. They kind of they kind of offset each other, and so one thing is is going to be the Kyrie Eric Bledsoe matchup. Also, Eric Bledsoe and Scary Terry because what he did to him last year. But I want to say the number is like Kyrie's shooting like 35 percent. Uh, against the Bucks this year, you okay, know, with Eric Gordon, I mean Eric Bledsoe, uh-huh. uh, guarding him, so it, it should be interesting that matchup. Obviously, Giannis, but I think Boston, besides maybe Toronto, but I, I think Boston has more wings to throw at Giannis. Now, obviously, Toronto has the best wing to throw at Giannis, but Boston has you know Jalen Brown, Tatum. You're probably gonna have to have some bigs on them at some Marcus, point. Marcus, uh, which Morris is it? Uh, Marcus Morris. Who you say one of the Morrises? Yeah, Marcus Morris. Um, Al Horford's gonna end up guarding Horford, at some point. Baines. Like you're gonna have to throw all those guys on him at some point. And so I think Boston has more guys to throw at him. Um, and I, I think they're gonna win it in like six. I feel better about Milwaukee. I just, I just feel better about Milwaukee this year. And I, I, I think I can't. If I had to, I wouldn't bet 
I wouldn't bet on this. You're not, you're not going to be a bet man on this I, I would not bet on this because, I mean, everything tells you it should be Milwaukee. They got the best player. Got top five offense, top five defense, uh, two all-stars. They can go five out. They can go five out. They got rim protection. I mean, I, I can't really make that much of a case other than I just feel that the Celtics are going to surprise some people. You feel it. I, I feel it because – at the beginning of the year, who everybody said was the best team in the East? I said Toronto. <laughs> well, you said Toronto. And initially, I did say Toronto. But too. most people, I see what you say, most people went with most Boston. Most people would agree that the team that was in Game 7 of the Conference Finals and lost it and then got two 20-point game scores back to them should have the best chance to come out the East. Yeah. Milwaukee surprised us. Philadelphia made some trades. We didn't know that was going to happen. I still think Boston has the best chance. To not only get out the East, but dethrone the Warriors if the Warriors get there. But I don't think the Warriors are going to get there because I think Houston has a chance in the West. We got to leave it right there. 830-313-9888. That is the phone line. Coming up next. Kennedy, are you ready? Yes, sir. We got Uncle Perk from the Stadium Status Podcast. I'm ready. On the other side of this break, again, Uncle Perk from the Stadium Status Podcast. He's going to join us. Don't go anywhere. This is the game plan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the game plan. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter, Alex Goodwin, TSM. Again, it's Alex Goodwin, TSM. Follow the show on Twitter at Game Plan TSM. That's T as in Taka. S as in Seagram's, M as in Margaritas. Kennedy, where can they find you, dog? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Uh, again, underscore Kennedy. As in the former president, John F., and the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy Miller underscore. All right, all right. 830-313-9888. That is our telephone number. Joining us on the phone right now. He is one-third of the Stadium Status Podcast. He is the podcast post player, the man, the myth, the legend, Uncle Perk. Perk, how you feeling today, my man? Very well yourself, sir. I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, I can't complain. Can't call it too much. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, how may I be of service this evening? Yes, sir. Uh, starting everything off, NBA playoffs. The Thunder have been eliminated by the Portland Trailblazers, four to one. Where should the Thunder go from here? Home. <laughs> well, that—that's a great way to put it. They—they—they they, they, they should go home. <laughs> um, honestly, honestly, um, on Twitter this week, some stuff came out about Russell Westbrook that alluded to him not wanting to know about other players' tendencies, and it was centered around him not watching film. Because the comment that he said was, I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm worried about me. And so when your franchise player comes out and makes a statement like that, and by the way, this video was from years ago, from years ago, it, lets, it leads me to believe that not a lot of preparation is going into play. There's not a lot of preparation is going into playing these games and so 
as phenomenal as an athlete as Russell Westbrook is, mentally, some could say he's a midget. And the scouting report to me on Russell Westbrook has always been this. Whoever's checking Westbrook, get hot. And that's the game. Yeah, I mean, I, Parker, I totally agree with you. We've had this conversation about Russell Westbrook before. To me, it – and, like, what you reported, and I had heard it before, that he said he, he didn't watch film on other players. It makes perfect sense because you kind of get the feel when you're watching Russell Westbrook is it's not really a game plan that's involved. We're just going kind of by what we see and we're, we're, just, we're just playing. And, right. you know, I mean – Talented individual, athletic, but like I said when we were on, on the Stadium Status Podcast, I want to see what you do in situations where you're down by four with a minute left in crucial games. What type of decisions do you make? They were up 15 last night with eight minutes left, and then we're up eight with three minutes left. With two All-Stars, you can't lose that game. You cannot. You cannot. And what happens? They lost. And and keep in mind, keep in mind, Paul George chose to stay there. And last year, the scapegoat was Carmelo. Okay, cool. No problem. Carmelo's not there this year. So now what? And again, I say Paul George chose to stay there. Now, I don't know if he would have rather played with LeBron or with the other team in L.A. that's still in the playoffs. Still, Paul George chose to stay there. And to me, that says a lot about him because there was a point in time where I was like, yo, man, if Paul George keeps this up, he might be the MVP. And right. then what happened? He regressed. Right. I, what, what, what told me a lot about Paul George was after game three of this series, the game was in hand and he comes down and does a double pump reverse. When the game is over, there's no shot clock. And all these reports have been – about his shoulder was hurt and he couldn't lift his shoulder. He does a double pump when the game is out of reach. And then they ask him about it, and he pulls a Russell Westbrook. Next question. That's not Paul George. That's not what that's yep. not what we've seen Paul George do with the media. And so it, it just kind of – I was like, really? Y'all think Russ is contaminating Paul do? George? Yes. Well, well let, let me say this. Let me say this. Let's not blow the next question bit out of hand the next question came from is right well excuse me the next question is specifically for one reporter he'll answer anybody else's question just not that one reporter and i'm okay with that i'm okay with that if that publication wants to ask russell westbrook a question send another reporter he has a beef with that reporter and hey i get it i'm good kenny smith said on tnt when he was here in houston Fran Blondberry wrote something bad about him. And he was upset with Fran. And then him and Fran talked about it. And guess what? They were okay. Maybe Russell Westbrook and that reporter need to talk about it so they can be okay. Still, I'm going to say this, man. I don't think Billy Donovan needs to go. I think they need an alpha point guard. I think they need an alpha point guard to come in and say, hey, you two guys are entirely too talented to have lost in the first round the previous two to three years. So I guess my, my next question, Perk, would be 
who would you have in mind? Who would be ideal to be that point guard next to him? Because Russell Westbrook is 30 years old. Like, he's going to be You're tough right. to change at this point. So, who would you have? Right. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. There are a few uh, There are a few guys I think that can come in and, and force him to play off ball to put him in the best situation possible. And they, ironically, would be, one, James Harden, and two, in my mind, a healthy Chris Paul. I would tend to agree. Outside of that, I can't think of anybody that has the brass behind them that Russell Westbrook would listen to. I, I, I don't see anybody else that has that, that resume, if you will, to say, hey, Russ, you need to shut up and listen to me. I'm going to help you be a better player. Also, with that being said, I like how Paul George can play off ball and Russell Westbrook still has yet to add that piece to his game. He cannot play off ball. He is a ball-dominant guy, and when you're a ball-dominant guy, eventually you will have a breakdown, and I don't know how he's going to I don't know how he's going to perform in the event that he breaks down. And also with me saying that, with him not being able to play off ball, he's not able to maximize his total package. And that's going to serve to his detriment in maybe two to three more years. Again, we're talking to Uncle Perk of the Stadium Status Podcast. Unc, switching gears to the Eastern Conference. Uh, Milwaukee and Boston, Toronto and Philadelphia. Unc, who do you see getting out of those two series and making it to the Eastern Conference Finals? I'm going to be honest with you. Milwaukee and Boston, that's must-see TV. That, that, that is must-see TV. Um, we have in Milwaukee Giannis Antetokounmpo and a whole bunch of guys that play extremely well with him. And they're also extremely long. I think they may be the longest team in the NBA. In Boston, we have a whole conglomerate of guys, as in Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Gordon Haywood, uh, Tito's son, Al, that, can, that, that when they play well together, they're extremely tough to beat. I think it's going to be a game seven, and as of right now, it's too soon for me to call that series. Uh, as far as Toronto goes, I believe that Ben Simmons and Kyle Lowry are going to have two games where they score single digits. And then it's going to depend on what that man and Kyrie, not Kyrie, and what that man Kawhi Leonard does. Also, with that Philadelphia series, Joel Embiid has been looking extremely slow, like something like he is physically hurt. He's putting up great numbers, and he is, at the same time, he is lumbering and laboring down the court like it's a chore for him to go from one end to the other. So, if something is wrong with Joel Embiid, I believe that that's going to make the job much easier for the Toronto Raptors. Also, in saying that, I'm really, really curious to see how Mark Gasol and Joel Embiid are going to match up because I can't see Mark Gasol, a former defensive player of the year, backing down from anybody. I, yeah, I mean, I completely agree with uh... – with what you said, a lot of those points I said earlier, I think 
you know, if, if Joel was healthy, then I would be more inclined to go with Philadelphia. But even if he was healthy, I think Toronto was a deeper team. They had more playoff experience. Um, and I think that Kawhi Leonard will show that he's the best player in this series. As far as yeah. Boston and Milwaukee, I think Boston will beat Milwaukee. I think it'll be really close. Like I said, I think it'll be a game seven. Um, it's going to be really tough because Milwaukee is a really good team. But it's something in my gut that's telling me, because I, I predicted Boston to go to the finals all year for the most part. And something in my gut is telling me that they that they still will. I, I still have Boston in the finals. Um, with that being said, going back to the uh, the Philadelphia and the Philadelphia and Toronto series, I think the X factors are going to be just jumpers and Danny Green. Right. I think that whoever produces more out of those two will help their teams greatly. And the crazy part is they do exactly the same thing. They both shoot. And you can't get any of them airspace. Right. And it's going to be interesting because last series we saw that Brooklyn, uh, the first couple of games, really tried to go at J.J. Redick and, and tried to go at whoever he was defending and attack him. He fouled out the first game, only played like 22 minutes. So, like you said, it will be interesting because, on the other, on the other hand, Danny Green is one of the best 3 and D guys in the league when he when he's going. And so – it will be a, a, a good X factor to see who shows up between those two. Also, the uh, player Pascal Siakam, who I had as my most improved player. How will he look coming in the next series? Because he'll probably get a lot of looks on on Ben Simmons, so or Jimmy Butler. So that'll be interesting to see what they do with him. Yes, sir. You were talking yes, to Uncle sir. Park of the Stadium Status Podcast here on the Game Plan. Uh, switching gears to the NFL draft. Draft is tomorrow night. We're filming. We're recording this on Wednesday evening. Uh, Park, do you feel that Kyler Murray will go number one overall to the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, he 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 very well may. He very well may. Isn't Josh Rosen the quarterback there now? Yes, it is. Yes, he is. Josh Rosen. Yeah, that 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 would that would present itself with with a really 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 interesting situation because you have a young quarterback and a younger quarterback. Um, going back to a comment that I made off air, my only knock against Kyler Murray is his size, and outside of Doug Flutie, Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson. I don't know any other good short quarterbacks. With that being said, he Kyler Murray is a flat baller. Kyler Murray is a baller. And when the game slows down and he takes that big hit, I want to know how he's going to respond to taking a big hit for two reasons. One, he's a small guy. What what is he like? Five six, five seven? Five ten. They list, they list him at five ten. Like they say, he's a, they measure him at the kind of like he's a legit five ten, five eleven. Uh, they, they must have gave him two pairs of cleats then. So <laughs> you have that, and then two. I've never seen him take a big hit before. I've never seen him take a big hit. And once you get to the pros, everybody's big, fast, and strong. 
everybody's big, fast, and strong. Right. And so what do you do? So I, I don't know. Speaking of Haskins, I'm curious to know if he if, how much work he has on his deep ball and his mid-range ball. You know, his 20-plus and his 10 to 15. If he can get those two down, dude, sky's the limit for that guy. And he has a good size. Yeah, we're talking to Uncle Perk of the Stadium Status Podcast. Perk, we got to get you out of here. We appreciate you for joining us. Let the folks know where they can find you on Twitter and about your podcast, the Stadium Status Podcast. Stadium Status Podcast is probably one of – no, it's not probably. It's one of the better podcasts on sports coming out of Houston, Texas, H-Time, where we hold it down. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Percolate. It looks like Percolates, which is a lot like Pilates, but it's a little bit different. Outside of that, you can reach us at VSS Podcast underscore on Twitter. You can add me. And what I mean by that is you can take that at and that me, put them together and add me, and I'll be glad to answer any questions that you have concerning any sports-related topic that you think about. With that, said, with that being said, gentlemen, this is the podcast post player. And I'm out. All right, Perk, man. We will talk to you soon. Yes, sir. 830-313-9888. That is the telephone number. Coming up next, we have our final segment of the show. We will be back. This is the game plan. Take it for sports radio. Take it for sports media. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the game plan. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's Alex Goodwin TSM. Follow the show on Twitter. Game plan TSM. T as in tacos. S as in sangria. M as in margaritas. Kennedy Miller, where can they find you, dog? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, underscore Kennedy Miller as in, well, underscore Kennedy, as in the former president, John F., and the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. Miller, underscore. All right, all right. Last segment of the show. We've been talking about the NFL draft all day on the show today, and Bleach Report has a list of <clears throat> the the biggest draft bust in every NFL team's draft history. We're going right. to go through them right quick, see if we have any arguments on some of these. All right. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, Matt Leiter. Mm, yeah. Uh, 20 touchdown. excuse me, 20 interceptions, 14 touchdown passes, and 17 starts. And he won just seven of those 17 starts. And again, they took him at, I want to say, he's a top 10 pick. Yeah. Top 10 pick. I think, especially after the decorated college career that he had at USC, when folks thought Matt Lanham probably would have been the number one overall pick had he came out in 05. I think that I think he wants that one, right? Mm-hmm. 
Next on our list, we ain't gonna be able to go through everybody. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Kyle Bowler. Remember much about that guy? Not really. That's why he was cheeks. Uh, twenty and twenty-two as a starter, completed fifty-six point nine percent of his passes. Backup quarterback. Uh, let's keep going. Achilles Smith for the Bengals. I'm looking at a list right now. They have him as a number one bust in the last 30 years. Who? Achilles Smith. Him? Yes. Oh, no. That would have to go to Jamarcus Russell. Okay, or Johnny so, Man, jo- Jamarcus Russell, Johnny Manziel, Ryan Leaf. I don't even think Johnny Manziel is the worst for his for his team. No, the reason why I'm saying Manziel is worse than Couch or anybody that can come up with Brady Quinn or anybody else. We can even go Justin Gilbert the same year. Johnny Manziel came out in 2014, right? 14 draft, yeah. They drafted Justin Gilbert at number eight. But nobody was the Gilbert. He ended up with the Steelers, didn't he? He played 23 games with them over two years. Okay. Just before 2016 season, the Browns traded him away to the Steelers for basically nothing. I mean, let me tell you this. And now he's out the league. Uh, what's the guy's name? Manziel. By the way, they he's come- from like Brenham or something like that. Oh, I can't remember where it, it's around the Waller area because my cousin went to Waller and he says he remembers playing. him. You Justin Gilbert? Yes. Now let's see where he's from. Shouldn't be that difficult. He's from the Woodlands. It says, it says he's from the Woodlands uh, and he went to. Oh, Huntsville. Huntsville. I always get Brenham and Huntsville confused. Hey, man, they, they're both hick towns. Right. They don't nobody want to live in. So the uh, Kelly right. Smith. Started 17 games for the Bengals. Yeah. Went three and four. Threw twice as many interceptions in his career, 13, as he did touchdowns. He's been three and 14 as a quarterback. What'd you say? Three and 14 as a starting quarterback. Oh, yes. Three and 14 as a starting quarterback. And they put him at the top of the list because of what the Bengals gave up to draft him. Before they selected Smith, the Bengals had the chance to trade out of the number three spot in the draft for a deal that would have brought them an embarrassment of riches. Saints coach Mike Dicker was trying to trade up from the 12th spot so he could grab Ricky Williams. Dicker wanted Williams so badly that he offered the Bengals a total of nine picks. The nine so, picks he ended up trading to the uh, – who did he trade those nine picks to? Um, he was Washington. Yeah, he tried to trade nine picks so he could move up to the third spot. Take Williams. So he ended up trading those nine picks to the Washington Redskins, take Ricky Williams. Good God. If the Bengals had have accepted that deal – they would have landed New Orleans' first, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round selections in the 1999 draft, as well as New Orleans' first round pick in 2000 and 2001, along with the second round pick in 2002. So the Bengals turned all of that down to say it was a generous offer, but we felt now is the time to get a quarterback. And they got a Keeley Smith. Damn. Uh, for your Cowboys, Kennedy. Uh, Morris Claiborne. Oh, man. Number six spot. Intercepted four passes. Just four. And he ain't got no job now. Really? He's got no job he now. He ain't got. He like Tommy. He ain't got no he, job. I knew he played with the Jets, you know, after he left us. And he played his best, obviously, in a contract year. But he was never. Yeah, he never really panned out. Uh, let's keep going here. Oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, the Jaguars have plenty of. Worthy contestants. Justin Dante, Blackman? Dante, Justin Blackman is the man. 
Uh, but there is Derek Harvey, Blaine Gabbard, Luke Jokel, Blake oh. Bortles, Dante Fowler, Reggie Williams, Byron Leftwich, Eugene Monroe, Tyson Alualu. Like, that's how many times they've picked in the top 10. And that's how, really, just to show you how much of an inept franchise the Jaguars have been in the past 25 years. But Blackman got to be the man. Yeah. I mean, he got to be the man here. They, they traded up to get him. And truth be told, I understand why. Because he. Black was the fifth pick in the, in the draft. Mm-hmm. He got a DUI before he even played a game. Yeah. And he has not. I think Justin Blackman, crazy enough, you know how talented Justin Blackman is? Would you believe Justin Blackman's on their roster? What'd you say? Justin Blackman's on their roster. I mean, I, I, I kid you not. I would believe it. Like He's on the reserve list, and he has not played in one, two, three, four. He's not played in five. He's not played since the 2013 season. Right. And I think they cut that season short His first for year. violating the drug policy. Like, he played basically essentially one full season, and he has not played. And he has 64 catches and eight. 865 yards his rookie year. Ape, and he really has not played more than five games since. And he's still on the roster? That's how good they think that dude is. At least give to Josh Gordon. At least Josh Gordon will show back up. It, it, it's kind of funny because it says here that one Hall of Famer before the draft said Justin Blackman is Des Bryant with all of his brain cells. Interesting. That's a That's a terrible take now. God bless anybody who's dealing with a Justin Blackman has serious like issues with drug addiction. Right. Like, see, I always tell people this: if you can't stop drinking or smoking or doing whatever you're doing to make your money, you have a real problem. Speaking of problems, the LA, the Chargers, right. Ryan Leaf, and this is really about the Peyton Manning thing, man. Like, dear God, thirteen touchdowns, twenty and thirty-three interceptions in twenty-one games in San Diego. Yep. Yeah. Got to go with him. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, Deion Jordan. That that 13 draft was really bad. That 13 draft was so bad. But Deion Jordan, Deion, Deion Jordan, Barkevius Mingo, and those guys really stand out. Uh, the New Orleans Saints from Bleach Report picked Ricky Williams. And it wasn't that Ricky was a bad player. It was that they gave up essentially right. two drafts worth of stuff to get him. And essentially, if he wasn't going to be Jesus Christ and walk on water, it wasn't going to be good enough. And couldn't nobody walk on water. Right. But BJ himself, baby Jesus. And so, even though Ricky ran for a 1,000 yards there, he eventually became a Pro Bowl runner in Miami. They went with Ricky Williams. And I can understand why. Oh, you know Oakland. This is easy. Oh, yeah. That boy Jamarcus was he the bottom of the barrel. Right. Oh my God! I've never seen someone sibling like it's Kool Aid and eat himself out of the league. Eat himself out of the league. He won seven out of twenty-five starts over a three-year period with the Raiders. Twenty-three picks, eighteen touchdown passes. He completed fifty-two percent of his throws. Uh, I got a question. Uh, can can we count Tim Tebow as a draft bust? No, he won a playoff game. T.J. Yates won a playoff game. That's it. Hey, that, that can't be the standard. Like, winning a playoff game no, cannot be the standard. but, I, I mean, it's one of those you have to know how he won a playoff game. Like, he won it. Like, T.J. Yates was just like a game manager behind a great defense. Tim Tebow had a great defense, too, 
but he made the throw to win it in overtime. I mean, if the only thing that's keeping him from being a draft bust is that throw. And he. Hey, man. He wasn't drafted high. Uh, like he was drafted his first round pick. Yeah, but he was drafted like 25th. Like, I, I, when I think about bust, I think about top five, top 10 guys that you're looking at as being your franchise. If I'm drafting somebody at 25, you're not my franchise. You were just really good in college, and but we're taking a chance. Hey, I mean, but you're, you're we don't take quarterbacks in the first round unless we think they're good. You know what I'm saying? Right, but we, I mean, they took them in the first round, and they didn't say, okay, you're going to be our starter. It was kind of like there was a pull for Tim Tebow, and they didn't really let him in until um, Elway didn't want Tebow to be the starter, and understandably so. Like, to be fair, Tim Tebow, that year Tim Tebow started, Tim Tebow threw 12 touchdowns and six interceptions, but he completed 46% of his passes. Like, this dude was, he's really bad. Like, he was not good at his job, right? But it was everything surrounding Tim Tebow, and that's what made it really tough to give him honest critique. People thought he was, people were hating on him. Because he was winning games. There was a game that year. I want to say he completed it. I want to say three passes. Like, like, it was like, like, and I kid you not. It was like he would, he would do everything to put you out of the game, and then come the fourth quarter, he would make all the throws and do everything that was needed to win games. Y'all still like being nice to Tim Tebow. I just don't think he's a bust because he wasn't drafted high enough to be a bust. That, I mean, that, that's my criteria. Okay. It's like it, if you weren't drafted in that top 10, which I would consider not even the whole top 10, but like top seven to be my franchise, to be the guy for the next, you know, eight okay. to 10 years, I don't really consider you a, a bust. All right, last guy before we get out of here. Uh, Jake Locker. Bust. Guaranteed. Bust. Like, and you know what the bad part is? In 2011, I'll never forget what, this. What, what was he drafted? What pick was he drafted? He was drafted, uh, he was in that loaded 2011 draft, which <laughs> might be, like, you know how the 84 draft is in the NBA and the 2003 draft is in the NBA? We're going to look back on that uh, 2011 NFL draft the exact same It's way. like Cam, Pat Peterson, we have, Von In Miller. the first round. Cam is at one. Von Miller's at two. Marcel Darius is at three. AJ Green's at four. Patrick Patterson's five. Julio Jones is six. Alden Smith's at seven. Alden Smith, who is a Hall of Fame talent, but right. just can't get himself together. Jake Locker was eight. They could have had the Dallas, the uh, Tennessee Titans could have had Tyron Smith, JJ Watt, we got him. Robert Quinn, Mike Pouncey, Robert Kerrigan. Like in that eleven draft, the t of the top sixteen players, take it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve of the sixteen made a Pro Bowl. Right. Cameron Jordan drafted twenty-four made a Pro Bowl. Mark Ingram made a Pro Bowl. Muhammad Wilkerson made a Pro Bowl. Cam Hayward, Richard Sherman, uh, Torrey Smith, Rodney that, Hudson. That's gotta uh, be in discussion for the best driving class. Of Justin all Houston, DeMarco Murray, uh Colin Kaepernick, KJ Wright, Jordan Cameron, uh like Julius Thomas, uh, Richard Sherman. Right. Richard Sherman drafted in the fifth round, by the way. Dwayne Harris. Former Cowboy. Like, we are talking about an insanely deep draft, especially deep at the top. The Titans could have had. The Titans and the Vikings, who they do draft a Christian Ponder. You could have had Watt, Mike Pouncey, uh, Muhammad Wilkinson, uh, 
Do you remember they tried to tell us that uh, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Powell, and Jake Locker were better than Cam Newton? Yes. Remember that? And then that guy is also now the uh, general manager of the Raiders. Right. Mike Mayo. Idiot. Mm-hmm. Either way, let's just hope the Texans and the Steelers don't come away with some huge draft bust that I have to look back on this show five years later and say, good God, they were cheeks. Well, I mean, you got to get a lineman for if you're Houston, rather. You got to get a lineman at what you have the eighth pick. Nah, uh, we're in the 20s. I might have looked at that wrong. Um, I don't know why I thought you guys were like the eighth pick in the draft. Nah, we got eight. Because I, I, we got like 22 or 23. I saw you were projected to get a guy from a, that's right, because you made the playoffs. Yeah. You projected to get a, like a lineman from Washington State, I believe. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Oh, see, what I looked at was I was looking at a mock draft, and they projected you guys trading up to number eight with the Lions because it, it just came a report that the Lions are looking to trade down. Okay. And so okay. they had you guys at number eight getting a Washington State uh, O-lineman. So that I, – I don't know why I looked at that wrong. It's all good. Players mess up sometimes. See, that's why I'm Kennedy Miller, the average, and you, Alexander the Great. Hey, man, don't flatter You see me. how I flipped that? that you, you tra- I, I like you it. I like it. You see how I flipped that? I like it. I like it, man. Anyway, we are out of time for today. Yes, sir. We got to thank Uncle Perk from the Stadium Status Podcast for hopping on with us, talking about the NBA playoffs, the NFL draft. Uh, check out the Stadium Status Podcast as well. Uh, we've both been in the studio with them as well. It was a fun time. Right. Uh, Kenny Miller, once again, thank you for hanging out. No problem. Where can they find you on Twitter, my man? One more time at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore underscore Kennedy. As in the former president, John F., and the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy Miller, underscore. All right, all right. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. And it's Alex Goodwin TSM. T as in tacos, S as in sangria, M as in margaritas. Follow the show on Twitter. Game Plan TSM. T as in Tyler, S. As in Seagaville, which is right outside of Dallas. Okay. M as in Marlin. Marlin, Texas. I ain't never been there. I just heard of it one time. Saw it on the side. Either way, this has been the game plan for Kennedy Miller. Alex Goodwin is my name. We will see you next time.